0: You know, you get these little things on uh, people post on like Twitter and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, obviously there's all sorts of things get posted out there. And somebody posted something about prayer and, of course, some atheist got on there and said, you know, there's absolutely no empirical evidence of God ever answering a prayer, you know, and doing nothing, blah, 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 other than making the person feel better. And you talk about my heart got so happy. Because I thought, you are factually wrong. <laughs> and I know it by experience, right? You are wrong. I could sit here for a long time, and so could you. We could all just sit here for the rest of the day and just talk about the answers of prayer, specific, specific answers to prayer. And I had to reply to him. And I said, thank you. You've made my day. <laughs> I said, I just got, to, you, you caused me to stop and think of all of the times that God has specifically answered prayer in my life. And uh, I appreciate it of course they don't respond to stuff like that but that's okay and uh, sunshine in my soul i tell you what you just just think about the lord a little bit it'll make you happy and his faithfulness and how good he is to us and i'm telling you what what's that brother showers a blessing blessing. amen amen and so we're thankful for that and uh anyway uh be in prayer uh for uh uh, we got our outdoor tent meeting coming up here pretty soon and just a few weeks really a couple of weeks, actually. Yikes! So, Brother Rick Tony will be dropping the tent off, and we'll be, uh, Lord willing, putting that up on eleventh or twelfth. We'll get together on that and get that put up. We've got a lot to do in the next two weeks on the building and getting that to a, a play a good place. So, we'll be praying about that. Uh, Brother Mari Gibson will be preaching for us on um, on September the third. I'm looking forward to that, and the reason of that that's it fits his schedule. Right. I, I wasn't saying we're going to be in our building September 3rd, but that's what I'm shooting for. I'm because sure, I, I I'd like him to come preach when we first get over there and just get things kicked off. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Brother Gibson is a huge blessing. And uh, so he'll be up here uh, September 3rd all day. And so I encourage you to, to get that on your calendar, get people invited, uh, be inviting people for the outdoor revival. And uh, people that won't come into a church building or on a regular Sunday church service, uh, they'll come to an outdoor revival or something different like that. Uh, Tell them, you know, you can, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to present it. I mean, you know what I like to say is like, you know, if you've never experienced a little bit of nostalgic Americana, right, you just need to come once in your life to an old tent meeting and just see what it's like, if if you can handle it, if you can handle it. And so, uh, give it, give up a little bit of a challenge and encouragement there. Uh, tell them it's a little more, it's obviously a lot more uh, uh, casual than than uh, than it would be coming into the building here, and and uh, they can they can leave out the back, you know, pretty easy. And they may even be there for a storm to knock it all down and <laughs> and trap them under it, like we've had before. That was exciting. So you weren't around for that, were you? Oh, I wasn't there that night. Oh, that's right. The Lord warned you. He's like, don't go. <laughs> so, anyway, looking forward to that August, the week of August fourteenth. So, be praying about that. Be inviting people uh, for that. Let's not just make this another thing on the on the calendar. There, we just check off of the year. You know, we do these things on purpose, right? God puts them on my heart to do on purpose. And the church, we need to we need to look at it with, uh, with. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intentionality. We need to be intentional about these things. So, hmm? Yes, enthusiasm. There you go. So, <laughs> so, amen. All right, we're in, uh, still looking in our uh, lesson on uh, uh, the need of armor, spiritual armor, spiritual battles that we are in in this life. And we are in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to focus this morning on verse 17 funny my brother had texted me about this I think it was last week and I said well it's it's this is in my notes for uh, Sunday school and uh, and take look at verse 17 Ephesians 6 verse 17 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 the word of God says take and and take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and today we're going to look at the helmet of salvation. Now we know over in 2 Corinthians ten, verses 3 through 6, the Bible says, For we walk for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled we we walk in this flesh but that's not where the battle is And so we've been looking at armor for the battle. And I know this for most people in the room this morning in this class here, that uh, this is kind of, uh, this is old hat here. You've spent a lot of time uh, studying the Word of God. uh, You're a student of the Word of God. You've studied this many times. But let's be refreshed on this this morning, a little bit of encouragement to remember what we have, what we have to fight with, and what we have to protect ourselves in the battle. And... When we look at the, the, the Roman helmet, we look at the helmet of salvation, we've looked at this before, a lot of the elements of the of the Roman armature that would have been worn by these Roman militaries that Paul would have been familiar with. That first century battle helmet, it had evolved over the last 600 years or so up into the time that you see it when Paul was explaining it. The societal class, in the societal class, the soldier was... Um, was the, the status of the soldier, I should say, was determined many times by the tel- type of the helmet he had. It indicated where he was uh, in that military and in, 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 in his status. If he was upper class, he would have a helmet of brass, right, or metal. He had have, have ornaments on that on that helmet. In the lower class, it would just be leather, and I, they're not going to survive real long. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It might keep them from. Uh, running through the woods and a branch hitting them in the head or something like that. But if a sword coming at you, I'd probably go through that pretty well. On top of those metal helmets, you know the imagery, you've seen it. Those plumes that would stick up, that red plume that would stick up on those helmets, usually it was made from horse hair. But beyond protection uh, of that, the helmet served as a, as a couple of functions. Number one, it depicted rank. But number two, it was, it was strategic deception. It made the soldiers look taller, right? Animals do this. We have these three kittens at our house. Don't tell Jana, but they're there, okay? They're there. And I figured, my, our son dropped them off, and I figured if we don't feed them, they will eat mice and rats and snakes and all sorts like that, right? And so they're, they're, we're working on them. They stay out, outside. They've ruined the garage because they're about this big. But our dog loves them. He is like become a mom to them. It's really it's I am it's pathetic, it really is. And he gets all excited and he runs out there and the minute he gets to it they go they you've seen a cat that gets about this tall and he goes like that and he goes like this and it's all day long. I mean and he'll come running over, I mean they'll just like all of them, and he's just, he's loving it, right? And then now what he does, he picks them up in his mouth, and he just carries them around, lets them down, he nuzzles them. They're sopping wet, and they're just sitting there like, like that, right? And I figure if they survive this, right? But they all raise themselves up to look, to look bigger. Well, I mean, come on. It's a, it's a half a pound kitten next to an... 80-some-pound German shepherd. I mean, it's but it was instinctive, right? We we, we do these things as a protection device, and this was a lot of the the use of the helmet. One of the uses of the helmet was just kind of a little bit of an intimidation factor to make them look larger. This is the Roman helmet, but Paul is using this to describe what we have as armor uh, in, in, our, in our spiritual battle, in this spiritual helmet that we have. The Christian helmet, as I said, it is, it is not physical. It's a spiritual helmet. It protects the mind, not the physical brain. Right? It protects the mind. Like the Roman helmet, watch this, this Christian helmet's got to be put on. You've got to put it on. You can, like all of the armor, you can leave it all behind and go out into battle every day and you'll be a victim. You'll have arrows popping out of you all over the place, right? You got, got to put it on. And then our helmet is constructed and provided by God. I have written down here. Watch this. It always fits. <laughs> You're not going to have a helmet. The helmet of salvation isn't going to be rattling around on your head and possibly falling off. Hey, it's not going to be too tight to where you can't get the thing on it. It's uncomfortable. It'll always be comfortable. It'll always fit just right, right? Yeah. It, watch this. It always works. God's helmet always works. Now, listen, that, that Roman helmet, uh, you might get a coming by on horseback with a, one of those morning stars that they're swinging and about 10-pound ball with spikes on it. I don't care what you got on. Your head's coming off, right? I'll tell you what, God's helmet always works. I don't care what Satan throws at it. It doesn't matter how big the weaponry, the biggest thing Satan has is no match for the helmet of God. And and, and we don't want to gloss over this, right? God's ways, God's provisions always work when they're used. The reason that we're losing battles is because we're not using what God has afforded us. That is the only reason we're losing battles, right? First Corinthians I read this. Look at verse First Corinthians 10:13. I didn't read verse 13, but I just read First Corinthians, no, I do it didn't. I was in Second Corinthians 10. Never mind. Listen to First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. "There hath no temptation taken you but that such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation." With the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So we see here the 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 believer 's helmet is spiritual; it protects the mind, it must be put on it is made by god means which means it always. Works Now notice this, this helmet construction here. The better Roman helmets were brass. I mentioned that before. Uh, they had a piece that would come down over the cheeks, a little bit over the neck as well to protect that. You kind of see that in these baseball, uh, when they're up to bat, these guys with baseball hats, and they have the, that big side that will come down here because they've probably been smacked in the jaw a couple times with a fastball. And they're like, well, let's change the helmet because that hurts, right? And so this Roman helmet would come down a little bit. And so we see this, and and we're thinking of this thought of how the helmet's constructed and what the material it's made out of. And we have to ask ourselves a question for a parallel. What is the Christian's helmet made from? We've already established it's spiritual and not physical. It's not material. What is it made out of? What is it made from? Notice what it says here in our text. The helmet that God has made, listen, take unto you the what? Helmet it is what? Not a helmet of brass, but it's a helmet of salvation. Take unto you the helmet of salvation. Wait a minute. This text is to believers, not unbelievers. So it's got to be a different salvation we're talking about. You say, well, salvation is my strength. Well, that, that is true as well. But I want to show you something else here. The helmet of salvation. Right. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. and I have it written down here. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. Paul says, but let us who are of the day, which means they're saved, let us who are of the day be sober, and be sober-minded, right, put it on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. What is the helmet? It's the hope of salvation. What does the word hope mean? It means joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Now, 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 now don't forget this here. Each article of the armor reveals two things. Listen to these two things that the armor reveals. Number one... An attitude or an action in how we are supposed to respond to the enemy's attack. An attitude or an action in how we are supposed to respond to the enemy's attack. And then number two, here's what else the armor reveals. It reveals the way, now don't miss this, the way the enemy attacks. What does he do? He goes after truth. He goes after our heart. He goes after our feet. Right, Nehemiah. I, I don't have time to come off the wall. The job's too big. I'm not moving. Right, and this one here. What does he do? It's a helmet of salvation. It is. A, it is a hope of salvation. It is something that's protecting our mind. Why? Because because he attacks what, our mind. What is it about the mind he's attacking? The hope of our salvation. What is the hope? What is the what is the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation? Uh, What is it but our faith and our trust? Wait, watch, 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 watch. It's our eternal security in Christ and the knowledge at any given point in any given time of the day that I have been redeemed by God. I am saved. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King eternally and it can never be taken away from me. Hey, watch, watch, watch. That is huge in the mind. And Satan so often attacks that. He attacks our security in Christ. He attacks our position in Christ. He attacks our sonship in Christ. He attacks our position in the family in Christ. So watch this. The helmet of salvation it seems to represent the fact that Satan attacks our mind. Right? And watch this. The helmet also represents how we are to respond to Satan's attack on our mind. Here it is, you ready? The helmet's construction is salvation. Because so often he likes to accuse us in our salvation. He likes to question us of our salvation. One way that Satan can get a believer to leave the battlefield is to cause them to question their security in Christ. Yeah. You say, Well, I got saved and I never doubted it. Wonderful. I'm thankful for that. Some have. Now, I, I, do, I do contend this. There is a grave difference between doubts and questions. Some people have just questions and they think they're doubts. But no, they're just normal questions of the things of God. And they, you may have questions of the Bible and you haven't seen the end of it all. You haven't made the connection between uh, your question and what the Bible says. And it feels like a doubt. But it's not. You just have questions. Right. They're not necessarily doubts. But some people some people do have struggles. Hey, listen, do you, do you not think Satan is active attacking our mind? Right? I mean, th- that is one of the most powerful weapons we have, is the truth of the Word of God in our mind. And if he can get you to doubt that, listen, you're no threat on the battlefield. You're too busy trying to figure out if, if you got what you thought you got. Yeah. And it happens sometimes. Now, I want you to show this, some evidences of our, some evidences of our hope. He attacks our mind. And what, how do we respond to him, the helmet of salvation? What are we responding with? We're responding with the truth of the word of God and what God says about our position in him. And I'm going to show you some evidences of that. Yeah. Of all of the things that God could have recorded. Right. The fact that he gave so much time to assuage our fears and doubts reveal two things. It really reveals that doubt is a real thing. And God's desire that we don't doubt is, is a greater thing. Right. God understands that, that we are finite. Think about this. We are finite creatures. We don't know everything. And then Satan can get an advantage of us in that thing, right? And uh, we don't know it all. We, we understand things. And, and Satan has a way, demons have a way, devils have a way of, of coming around us and throwing out little bitty questions because we're, maybe we're just immature in the Word of God. We don't know everything yet. And, uh, and these doubts come up and these things come up. I'll tell you what, I, and let me say this. This is another avenue of doubt, okay, a huge avenue. And uh, some of the greatest times in your life, maybe not at this stage of life, but maybe you're in younger and you're newly saved, you, and you watch the pattern. Some of the biggest times when you had struggles with, oh no, did I mean it? Where the, oh, you know, somebody preached, oh, you got to say this, or you got to say that. And you went, oh, I didn't say that. Maybe it was this, or maybe I didn't say, and you go through all of these questions. of this, But watch this. One of the greatest problems when doubt comes into life, I'll watch this. I'm telling you, so often, the doubts arise when there's sin in your life. Yeah. And you know what happens? You begin to feel that the, all, of the, all of the old life, the feeling of the old life comes back to you. And you just feel like, am I even saved? I just feel miserable. I feel like I'm lost, right? Yeah, And I tell you what, that is a stronghold of Satan. It really is. And uh, that's one, one reason that we need to live a holy and godly life. Right, it's it's a it's it's an encouragement to us. It helps us in the battle, absolutely. But uh, if you're going to have victory in your life over the world, the flesh, and the devil, if you if you are going to have victory, you've got to have a rock solid confidence that you have been born again. Yeah. And and there does, uh, listen, there does come a time. I've I have counseled many people, and I don't when they say I don't know about my salvation, I don't immediately go to well. Then you're not saved. I don't immediately go to that. But if it persists, I said, well, you need to start searching some things out. I'll give them a list. You need to catalog your life and ask God to show you un- unconfessed sin first. If there's unconfessed sin, let's start there and see what happens. And then we'll move from there. And I've had hey, I've had uh, one or more. Uh, I know one just recently uh, within the last few years went through this process over a year's time. and could not shake it and finally came to me and said, uh, texted me one evening and said, I called on the Lord to save me tonight. He saved me. So praise the Lord, right? Hey, listen, I mean, sometimes it's not doubts. Sometimes you're not, lo- you're, you're not saved. The Holy Spirit of God is convicting you and you know what it is. But I'm talking about when Christians are battling uh, the spiritual battle, right? First of all, I want you to notice some evidences of our hope. First of all, not everyone who says they're saved are saved. We know that. Matthew seven, twenty one through twenty three, not all that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? You say, well it's all these lists of works. No, really the will of the Father was this. This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Remember Jesus was being baptized and the dove was ascending, Jesus in the water, the Father is in heaven and he said those words. He said it twice actually at his baptism and he said it up at the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. So to do the will of the Father is to listen and to obey Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? You must be born again. So he, here it is. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? In, in thy name have we not cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? he said, "I'm going to profess to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity." Hey, listen. Just because somebody has prayed a prayer, just because somebody has walked an aisle, just because somebody has shed some tears. It doesn't mean that they humbled themselves before God and put their faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it was just a, a fire escape. Sometimes they were just in trouble and they thought, well, I'll try this. Sometimes it's like some of the other religions of the world that will add anything to the religion. But when you say, well, you need to forsake all in Jesus only, well, they, they walk away. They can't handle that. But listen, God, I don't know what's in their heart. God knows what's in their heart. I'm just saying it is possible that some people may say they're saved. How do you know it's possible? Because Jesus said so. He said there will be many, many will come unto me in that day and say that. And so some people, you know, they're just afraid to die, right? Some people just want a wife or a husband off their back, right? right? Some just, they see jail time coming and all of a sudden they're going to get religion. I got me, I'm going to get me some religion. I got to fix this. Some they just want to turn over a new leaf. Right? And well, maybe this will help. Maybe this will try. No, friend, when you come to God, you are convinced that He is God, that He is right, that you are wrong, that Jesus is the only way, and what He did was sufficient and was re- accepted by the Father as an atonement for your sin to wipe away all of your sin. That's the reason you're coming to Him. Yeah. And you believe who He is. You believe what He says about Himself. You believe what He says about you. And you believe what He says, how you can make that relationship right again. And that is when I tell you what the truth of that. Any, Jesus said, All that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. And we have that fact there, that truth there. But here we see here, God has been drawing us. In John six forty four. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which sent me, hath uh, uh, draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. There is no salvation outside of the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. I remember at 17 years old, the first time I ever sat in a preaching meeting and experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. I'd been in many church services before that as a young child and and, and, and sometimes in my early, early life. I'd been under certain services, but I'd never been in a preaching meeting when there was the, the... Evident convicting of this Holy Spirit of God on my soul that something was wrong in me. That was the first time. It was the first time. You know what I did? I went home and turned over a new leaf. That's all I did. I just turned over a new leaf. I threw this out and I threw that out and I stopped smoking and I stopped that and I stopped this. And all of these things. Went to church and I did this and, and I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I mean, there's a whole group of, uh, a whole uh, church there, a bunch of radical, independent, fundamental Baptists that just loved me. And I just loved it that they loved me because uh, our our home was so dysfunctional and they just took me in. And I just tell you what, I was just in. I was, it was, well, I tell you what, the love of God is a wonderful drawing thing. Yeah. But I'm thankful that God pursued me, and He never stopped pursuing. Because it was ten years later, at 27 years old, I came to Christ. Yeah, it took a while, but I looked back. That was the first time. And after that, boy, there was conviction all along the way. But it was the first time that conviction ever came. Listen, there is no salvation out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, somebody does. Someone, well, well, we had. One, I had one just recently. Well, I, I want to get saved. I'll be to church in a couple of weeks. I'll do it then. Huh? Well, I haven't been back. <laughs> right? Yeah, there, there is no conviction there. There's something wrong there. God's drawing is to, for the purpose to reveal that you are a sinner at odds with God that's why he draws in John sixteen eight. and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment why Romans uh, no three twenty three for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God once you are convinced you are in trouble with God in so many words you know something's wrong you know you're at odds with God there's only one thing to do is to get saved and he will he will right I will know why he's cast out that's what he said For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what are the evidence that God gives for security? You're here this morning, you know, you remember the day, you remember the time. You said I don't remember the hour, but listen, you remember the time. You can see it in your mind's eye. You remember when it was that you came before God. You knew that you were a sinner. You humbled your heart before Him. And all of the words that you had and whatever the words you had, I hate when people say words because everybody's heart, everybody's heart um, expresses itself in different words. I don't throw words out to people. Now say this and say that. Now let's pray. Pray after me. Oh, that's dangerous. I don't like that. Yeah. But you remember the day in your life when you came to Christ. There's some evidence that God gives for that security that you have. Yeah. Because Satan attacks the mind, attacking the security of our salvation... It's, it's just logical that God is going to give us some, some weaponry to fight against that. So Listen to 1 John 5.13. These things have I written in you, that, you might, that, that, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. It's Obviously, it's God's desire that we know that we have eternal life. So look at some of the evidences here. I don't know how many of these we'll get through because I've got a lot of them. Ready? All right, here we go. Number one, some evidences of your salvation that God gives us as a helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation. 1 John 2, 3 through 5, obedience. And hereby we do know that we know Him. That word know, that's a word of relationship, not just a, a mental assent. We're in a relationship with Him if we keep His commandments. He saith, I know Him. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar. Ouch. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word in Him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. Let me ask you, do you have a desire to obey God? I'm not saying are you good at it. Thank you. That's right. I'm not saying you're always successful. right? Because God hasn't redeemed our flesh. Amen? I've said it over and again. This flesh is, is so awful and so wicked and so irredeemable. He's just going to kill it and give us a new one. But it's still here. <laughs> how many How many figured that out this morning? When the alarm went off and you're like, I don't want to get up. My wife got up and she walked out and she looked at me. I was already up and she went. And she went over to the coffee pot, and uh, she brought the whole pot with her to the couch. <laughs> the whole cara. right And you listen that, that, that flesh is alive and well in us, right? John 8:30 30 and 32, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, "If ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed." And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. First John three twenty two. And who's and, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. R.A. Tori wrote in his book on prayer, the power of prayer. He said, "This is the reason uh, I live a holy, separated life." He goes, "I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't list a, uh, uh, I don't live a list of rules of do's and don'ts." He said, "I live by this is what I do holy." He said, you know why he wanted that? He said, because I want the power of God in my life. He goes, watch, I want the power of prayer in my life. Do you see, we, and he, he, he listed this verse right here. We, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. But notice the second thing here that, that Tory focused in on. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This was the end of what he said was, I live my life this way. Would God be more pleased if I did this or didn't do this? Well, that's a simple thing to live by. Mm-hmm. You don't—you don't hardly need a list. I mean, you gotta know the Word of God, but—but but come on, you have the indwelling Spirit of God. Would God be more pleased if I stayed home? Would God be—or or if I went to church? Would God be more pleased, right? If I—if I, if I turn the channel, or if I stayed here, would God be more pleased if I spent my money on this, or if I spent it on the? Come, come on, I mean, that's just—and the way... And what does He say? We have those things that we ask of Him. The first evidence of salvation is a heart of obedience. I'm not saying the perfect actions of obedience. But if you would delve into the depth of your heart and the depths of your soul, your desire would be that you always, always, immediately, exactly with the right attitude, obeyed your Heavenly Father. That's what your desire is. It really is. Yeah. Seems like some people are always trying to skirt it. right? They're always trying to argue it. They're always trying to get as close as they can and then just not, you know, to, to the line over the line just to be able to, you know, stay right. Boy, I, I have problems with that. That's, that's, that troubles me. That troubles me. I, listen, I would rather somebody go into the Bible and say, this is what God says and I'm going to do it, and then being a little bit wrong, than somebody going, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Boy, I don't know. I don't think that's what that, Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, I, that, that heart bothers me. Obedience to God. Number two, love for Christians. Oh, I'm running out of time. We'll get through these. First John 3, 13 through 15. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Did you hear that? We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Do you love the brethren? Can I tell you there are even Christians that you can disagree with on on some major things and you know they're in Christ. Your spirit bears witness that they are in Christ and there's still a love you have for them even though they're dreadfully wrong Mm -hmm. on some things. Have the friends of the old life fallen away or are they closer? I, I, I knew a guy, I worked with him, uh, he, just for a short time he worked where I did, and he made this statement about, uh, you know, uh, he supposedly was a Christian, but he couldn't stand Christians. And he just loved to do things that antagonize them, right? He was pro-abortion, pro-abortion. And I said, if you are pro-abortion, you are in no wise, <laughs> you know, uh, born again and filled with the Spirit of God. You are lost. It is impossible to hate Christians, just to, to like to, and to no friend. The Bible says the opposite of that. And it's a great evidence of our salvation, right? Romans 5 5 is speaking to those who've been born again. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is spread abroad, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We have this love of God for the brethren. Yeah. Can I tell you, if the supernatural love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, you will love other believers? And you will prefer their company over others. Yeah. No, sometimes we we have company with family members and those that are lost and unsaved, and we understand that, and they can be quasi enjoyable times, and they, and they can be fine, and they go on. But listen, if you had if you had the choice, you go to the house of God with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and and sing the songs and listen to the preaching before you'd go to some family reunion. Sometimes, yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, some of you know it. Your your uh, your family in Christ is closer to you than a lot of your a lot of your biological family. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What is it? It's an evidence that you're in Christ, yeah. right? It's an it's, it's watch this. It's not just an evidence we pick out of it. It's an evidence that God gave us. Yeah. Obedience, love for a Christian. Number three. Here's one doctrine. There's a lot of cults out there today, and they say all the same words that we do. They even use the same terminology, like, oh, yeah, I've been saved. I've, oh, yeah, I've been saved. I'm telling you, you gotta, you got you to gotta drill down on that. Oh, say, I, I like to say this many times. I, it works for me however it works for you. I like to say this, you know, and I do, and I mean it. I'm not saying anything not to mean it, but I say I love people's testimonies of when they came to Christ. Tell me about when you came to Christ. I want to hear this. I love it. And I do. I love, I love testimonies. I love to watch, listen how God works through lives. And I'm telling you, time and time again, you get some of the most unbiblical things when you walk away and you begin to now deal with them in their own salvation because you realize they've never been born again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess, well, you know, I guess I've always been. No, we hear that a lot. I guess I've always been. I say, so you've always been born? <laughs> you no, know, when you're born means you didn't exist at one time. When you're born again, it means you did not exist as a believer one time, as, as in Christ at one time. You have to pass from death unto life, right? You don't, you're not born in life. You're born in death, right? And, and you find out there's all sorts of things that people believe uh, that is not right? There's all sorts of things that people believe about the Lord Jesus Christ that are not right. I told one young man, I said, your eternal destiny is hinged, is hanging upon what you believe about Jesus Christ. And you do not have a biblical view of Jesus Christ. And based on your view of Jesus, who he didn't know if he was even God, you do not have eternal life. Yeah. 1 John 4, Hereby we know that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. You know what the cults do? I, I, had, a, I had a security guard down in Parland. Uh, I was down in Parland, Texas working. And this security guard, I started chatting with him, a nice fella. And he told me, he said, I, I he grew up in D.C. I grew up in a rough area. He said, I it was fighting and guns and all of this stuff. And he said, about at 13, I just got tired of it. I just got tired of it. Started going to a church. And I went to this church and that church and this church and that church. And he goes, and I let anybody in. I let the Jehovah's Witnesses in. I let the Mormons in. I said, he goes, what is the difference between them all anyway I said awesome question yeah. i said it's the person of jesus christ they all deny the deity of jesus christ yeah all of them they're all wrong he said well what happened to me at 13 i said well maybe it was the drawing of the spirit of god and you need to get saved because you've never been born again it's quite a load to put on that poor security guard late at night. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I probably pray I see him in heaven someday. I don't. Know. I have no clue of what his name was or anything, but uh, he got the gospel. Amen. Praise the Lord! I'm thankful for that. Yeah, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Now what is, notice what's being confessed. Jesus. It's his humanity, Son of God, his deity. God actually put on human flesh. Was born of a virgin, lived on this planet for 33 and a half years, yeah. died, buried, rose again, walked around for another forty days, amen, and then went on up into heaven. Yeah, seen of over five hundred witnesses. I like that, amen. Yeah, many will. Hey, many, many, a lot of people out there will profess as humanity. Very few will profess as deity. Listen to Jesus' conversation with some Pharisees. Matthew 22, it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith then unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Oh, I, I tell you what. If you ever want a debate team, you want Jesus on your team, man. That would be awesome. You know? <laughs> the Lord said unto my lords, remember this is Psalm uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, I believe it is. And the Lord said to him, My Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he son? How is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. They were done. Now watch, why were they done asking questions? Because they were done with Jesus. That was the ultimate rejection. They didn't want to know anything else. They were done with him. Yeah. They rejected him see to the Pharisees he was only a man yeah. so much of just a man that they crucified him and to this day they're still looking for another Messiah what think ye of Christ is he the son of God I remember we were on our way to camp one time and there's a lady bringing the kids down to Sagmont and there's a lady on the bus with us with her daughter that went to the same school at Aurora the kids Christian school at Aurora years ago and they were a part of this Branamite group uh, uh, down here around Galena and and uh, a, lot of, a lot of messed up stuff with, with that cult. And I said something about Jesus being God. And she goes, and we're, we're just talking and she's behind. She goes, what, wait, what? what no, what, Jesus isn't God. What are you talking about? How is he God? I mean, I, I mean, I was so shocked. I'm like, what do you mean? You know? And she goes, well, how can God die? Jesus died. How can God die? God can't die. It's like, well, that's why he put on a human body. So he could die, right? And uh, no, they denied the deity of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. They counted their, their own man a prophet, William Branham, a prophet. A prophet. I told one young man that worked for me that went to that group, He's a nice guy. And I said, Well, the, it's interesting because the Bible says the law and the prophets are until John. So I don't know what kind of prophet he is, but they're over. <laughs> okay, right? And uh, so, so, what think ye of Christ? He's God. He's very God. Number four. Let me go on. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Ooh, I got to be done. Let me give you this one. This is the last one, and we'll pick it up next week. Evidences of your salvation. The hope of the salvation. The helmet of the uh, the helmet of salvation. First John two, fifteen through sixteen. Love not the world. Mm-hmm. Ah, I knew you're going to get to that. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world let me ask you today are you more are you more apt to be swayed by the opinion and philosophy of the, of the world or of the word of god amen if somebody says well the bible says this and you go and something in you goes uh eh, eh. If if you're quicker, to, hey, listen. If you're quicker and for, feel more comfortable, feel more comfortable listening to what the world has to say than what the Word of God says, friend. I do a little introspection, but I'm talking to the child of God here this morning. You can say, man, no. I, are you saying you always you always obey it? No, we're not saying that at all, right? We already dealt with this. I don't want to go back deal with the flesh and all these things, right? But no, your desire is. Your inner heart is that you'd rather hear the word of God than what man says. Why? What have you learned real quickly? Well, man's a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. We've come hey, watch, we're living we're living in an awesome time. Because we're watching the Bible come to fruition, not only not only in the in, in the realms of prophecy, but we're watching a nation crumble that has walked away from God, that the word of God says, if you go this way, this is what's gonna happen we're living it we're kind of like bummed out about it it's like well I didn't think it would get like this well what did you think do you realize once you open a gate to sin the end of it is death you don't stop halfway down the trail and be like okay good enough no the end is death Yeah. Yeah. loving the world when a decision needs to be made and you have God's will and the world's will which one do you really want Which one do you really want? I mean, If you could have your choice, if, if you could really have your, you know, okay, with, if you knew you could pick a choice without God, uh, this, whatever the chastisement you believe would look like, what would you really pick? Yeah. The Bible gives us a way to dress. Who do you listen to? The Bible gives us a way to handle money. Who do you listen to? The Bible gives us a way to raise a family. Who do you listen to? The Bible tells us what should have a priority in our life. What has a priority in your life? The Bible tells us how to spend our money. Uh, where's your money going? I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. Yeah. See, a true believer filled with the Spirit of God will not love the world. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They may get entangled in the world but there will never be a comfortable joy or peace about it. Yeah. Yeah. True. It'll be as said in, in Hosea, a hedge of thorns, yeah. to, to bring you in so you can't go any path, so you can get back to where you are supposed to be. See, the pull and the draw, it's still there. Don't get me wrong, it's there. But the, the, the desire of the heart, the desire of the heart is for the things of God and not for the things of this world. What do you find out about the things of this world? They don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. And every time the enemy kind of convinces you otherwise, and you get a little bit away and you go, I fell for it again. And I'm miserable. <laughs> Amen. You know what the person who's not born again of the Spirit of God? They're like, I'm free. I'm away from the tyranny. I'm away from all the rules. I'm just free from it all. And they think they're just living it up. And it's like, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, no doubt they would have remained with us. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the helmet of salvation. We'll finish these. We're going to look at some more next week. I'll just list them to you and you can, we can look at them next week. De- decreasing sin, not sinlessness. Um, There is a maturity and a desire for that. We'll look at that. Persecution for righteousness. There's another one. And then perseverance. There's another one. Uh, Those who are truly born again. Truly born again. They don't leave the fundamentals of the faith. Yeah. They don't all of a sudden go join the Mormon church. Yeah. No. You weren't. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with that. The helmet of salvation. Satan attacks your mind. He is going to attack the security you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some evidences here of, of to help us, but also these are some parameters to live our life by to strengthen us. To strengthen us. Let's not forget this. You can be victorious in this life. We can have victory in this life over the world, the flesh, and the devil. We can be, uh, we can be usable to God all of our life long, you see, it seems so hard. I don't know. Uh, God is not a respecter of persons, and there are so many before us that that have lived a life pleasing unto the Lord, and they write books about them. And all sorts of wonderful things. I'm telling you, you can you can read your books on Moody and and Moody and Mueller and and Torrey and. Uh, Uh, you know, Amy Carmichael and all of these great biographies of all of these great people and you can look at them and remember that you have the same indwelling spirit of God and you have the same armor as they have and you can live just as victorious in this life as any of the, quote, greatest Christians ever have lived. Uh, Yeah, just little old you and little old Nixa in the middle of nowhere can live victorious for God. you You can. You absolutely can. And may God help us to do that. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the encouragement that we need all the time. And we ask you to to help us to keep these fresh on the front of our mind. In Jesus' name, amen.